0: Hello, welcome. Um, we're really delighted to have so many of you here for this really interesting um, debate or conversation that we're going to be having. We're all a bit blown away by this sofa. <laughs> so uh, we're feeling it's going to have a this morning feel to it. So hopefully it'll be quite relaxed.
1: You're definitely more Lorraine, I think.
0: You think Emma, I'm Lorraine? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> ben Shepherd. <laughs> um, take Garraway. away. Um, so I'll just give you a quick introduction to our very esteemed and wonderful panel. Um, if I can just get my iPad to work. Um, at our end over here we have Teresa Watkins. Teresa is the a multi-award winning creator and ex-produce, exec producer of The Secret Life of 4, 5 and 6 year olds. She has previously run the development team at um, RDF that pioneered constructed documentaries over the years with massive popular and critically acclaimed hits like *White Swap, Faking It and The Secret Millionaire. And she's also exec- produced Michael Jackson's <coughs> Face, World's Greatest Musical Prodigies, The Greatest Shows on Earth, and Make, Craft Britain, <coughs> of course, so a very broad spectrum of wonderful factual programmes. David Clues is the Hello. creative director of 2.4 and is um, one of the leading names in contemporary documentary and factual entertainment. Mm-hmm. As well as winning a BAFTA for Best Director of Factual for creating Educating Essex. He has also exec produced the award-winning *Educating Yorkshire* and the rest of
1: yeah, the yeah.
0: popular, long-running series, and um, has the and also exec produced the Rose Door award-winning *The Real Marigold Hotel*, which it's a bit is of also, a mouthful. it is a bit of a mouthful, but it's also nominated for a BAFTA this year. So we'll be finding out how it does mm. in a couple of weeks. But fantastic, it's nominated. Um, his other credits include Royal Marines Commando School, Dementiaville and the BAFTA nominated live broadcast The Vote. As a freelance filmmaker, David's credits include Surviving Gaza, Boys from the Brown Stuff, and the BAFTA Anne Grierson nominated The Family. David won a Foreign Press Association Award for his Wonderland film The End of the World Bus Tour, and an RTS award for his first film, Teen Life. Um, Emma is another esteemed panellist, but she's so um, humble, she gave me a very short biog, but she's actually made loads of other films, but she is currently um, commissioning editor in documentaries at the BBC, and she's also produced a whole range of very powerful and emotional documentaries over the years. She was exec producer at Dragonfly, and her credits include Ambulance for BBC One, Inside Birmingham Children's Hospital for Channel Four, a Killing in My Family, which was a cutting edge for Channel 4, and Police Under Pressure for BBC Two. I also know that she did Liberty for Channel 4, so a very wide range of, sort of subject matters and tone. Philip is our younger panellist. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> he just <Jake> it. <laughs> um, he's just um, He's completed his first professional film last year, mm-hmm. which was Chasing Dad, A Lifelong <laughs> Addiction. It was actually developed as your graduation project um, when you were doing a master's at Goldsmiths, And it was released on BBC3 when it first launched online. And by its second day on air on the iPlayer, it actually was the number one most popular programme, beating EastEnders. So, just saying. The film was repeated on BBC1 on the 3rd of May and um, it got a really large audience of over a million. And Philip was nominated for Breakthrough Award at the RTS Program Awards this year. And he was also nominated for a Grierson Award last year in Best Newcomer Documentary. And Philip is currently in the edit of his second film, which we'd love to hear about when we crack on with the debate. So the way we're going to structure this is to literally talk about storytelling throughout the process, from pre-production right through to post. (coughs) And at different points, we'll show you clips from some of the films and programmes that the team, the panel have made, so that that can be a jumping off point. At the end, we would love it if, while this conversation is going on, you could think of bright, intelligent, (laughs) challenging questions to ask the panel, and there'll be plenty of time for that at the end. Um, Do put your hand up and let someone get to you with a microphone so that the whole room can hear what you're saying. So, we shall kick off. Um, Firstly, when we start in the process, the idea right at the beginning. What attracts you to the idea or when you're given an idea to make, what, what what's the first things you look for in terms of storytelling? Do you want to start us off, Teresa?
2: Um, uh, I think an idea has to know why it's a television programme. Sounds bloody obvious, but I'm, I'm writing a book at the moment and um, the, the challenge with that is knowing why it's a book and not a television series. Um, so I think you've got to know why you want to do something <coughs> for a mass, Audience um, that is going to entertain, as well as inform or whatever, But going back to old Wreathian ideas. Um, and uh, uh, for me, usually there's a question at the heart of it, and you've got to know what that question is. So, uh, with Secret Life of 4 year it's a very simple question. What do children get up to when there are no adults around? Um, and actually it sounds simplistic, but that is at the heart of it. Then there are other layers But that's the heart of it. So, for me, it's about that key question. And
0: once you found that question...
2: Well,
1: I was going to say, I don't think you always know what that question is. yes. So, that's the thing that, you know, it can take a while to work out what you want to ask people or the worlds that you're entering. I mean, with educating, for instance, we, you know, sort of had an initial idea that came about because of sort of the the technology um, was moving on at a pace where we were trying to think, could we go into a school again in a different type of way? Um, and I can talk about the fixery later sort of thing, but I guess going in initially, I was sceptical of could we make a series here? Would it be interesting enough? Would it be dramatic enough? So actually, through a development period that we had with Channel 4, there was enough time to sort of try and work out what, what that question so was going to way, be. The,
0: the development and pre-production are really key in sort of...
1: Yeah, if you've got the luxury to do that, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think you always have that these days. Um, but definitely, that was mm, you know the one thing true. where you sort of if you can go into a, a world or a precinct or you find someone that you 're fascinated by it 's good to sort of have the time to work out what you want to ask
0: and did, did, how did it change for you did, 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 could you give us an example like when, yeah in, I mean with school is it about education yeah with
1: educa- with with that series, the first question really was is it going to be about the kids um, <coughs> and we well, I very quickly thought that that wasn't the most interesting part of school. The thing that I really liked was the sort of rub, really, between the teachers and the kids. And that's where I think the drama, most of the drama is. You've got these sort of kids that are just teenagers, and they're just self-obsessed and trying to make their own way in the world, while at the same time, teachers are sort of, you know, driving them through to have um, an education to get their results. So that, that there is, there's conflict there immediately. Um, so sort of the shift went from the kids to the relationship between the teachers and the kids
0: that's really interesting as well that you mentioned the word conflict and that obviously the conflict there isn't great big scraps but actually do you think in every story you tell there needs to be a little bit of conflict or? yeah I mean up
3: I think what's really lovely about this session it's about telling stories and I think you know w- w- we don't make Uh, television documentaries about issues we tell we make them about stories and we all love stories and so you can you the the lessons about how you tell stories we can look at into Shakespeare in drama you know and there are in and if you break down all those stories there's conflict there's questions there's choices it gets worse and worse and worse and then there's resolution crisis and you know. Resolution. So you, you, the the, the, um, the language of stories is the same across documentary or drama or, or or anything. And I think that's what makes a good television program is storytelling. It's not issues. It's not um, you know conceits. It's just people telling stories about people we don't know. That's what
2: I look for.
0: And so we're talking about the people then. That's the sort of next phase of a, of a pre-production development, isn't it? Is that you found your precinct or your story that you want to tell and then you have to... The other thing about drama and stories is, is characters, I guess. So for you, um, Philip, when you started with your first film, obviously it was quite... You know, you knew your main cl- contributor very well. Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk a bit about that, how you cast characters? And we'll talk first about yours, but the casting process and how you choose your... Your people and how you have to collaborate with them.
4: I think you just, you've got to find out what it is about that person that really interests you and what really motivates you to want to spend X amount of time with them. Um, Because there's a a difference between something that's fleeting interest or something that really moves your soul, there's something inside you that you really want to know about them. And it can take time to develop that, but um, I think you just feel it intuitively with casting. And you know, you can go around with characters and something that really moves you. You can just feel it intuitively, I think.
1: Some it's people are much easier it. as characters as well, aren't they? Because mm. they're larger than life or they're going through a process that makes them more interesting. I think the, the battle, you know, I often find is you might have a good character but they don't have an obvious story or you have someone who's got a brilliant story <coughs> and they're dull as dishwater. So, or, you know, so it's then another skill about how you make someone a good character.
0: Yeah, God, how do you do that if it's, Someone—it's uh, well, just got a massively it, compelling story, and you just—I think, I can't bear to miss this story. But
1: there, you—I think it's you re, you're resilient. You're, you can—you know—it's about the relationship you have with your contributors. It's about winning over their trust. It's about finding the little thing in them that you are fascinated by, um, and that might be they're quite a sort of insular, sort of you know someone that finds it hard to express themselves. So you know you work out how do they best express themselves, and hopefully you get to something that is. level of truth, I guess. And that truth, for them, is different to my truth and how I react to them. So I think it's it's a relationship that you're often trying to um, be honest to who they are, but also it is still my perspective.
3: I think we're all, all people who make telly tend to be quite curious people. And I think if you're curious about other people, you find something in that person that, is exciting and, you know, is surprising and questions what you think about whatever the story is or the world is that you're in. And I think it's... We don't want telly to be full of extroverts. You know, we want telly to be full of all, you know, everybody, all the, you know, all the different hues of personality. And so you have to find, as David says, you have to find that thing or you have to find a way of telling that person or showing or representing that person to sort of show their true personality. And that might be that they can't talk about emotions, but their face will tell you what they're not saying and, you know, their body language and, you know, there's just, it, as a visual medium, it's not just about what people say, it's about how they present, you know, everything about them. Um, and so I think, you, you, as a curious person, I think we're quite good at finding
2: that thing about them that makes them unique and I'm brilliant. And r- very often, those characters that are harder to get yeah. to... Oh, the better ones. Yeah. Well they're the ones you remember mm. and the moments of mm. silence, not the moments of, mm-hmm. you know, garrulous talking mm. and
0: they're the magic
2: mm. bits that you yeah. strike a chord. We
0: sometimes have characters who bounce off immediately as made for telly characters mm. and then actually as you peel back the layers there's mm-hmm. not much there, is it? Whenever
2: you go
3: in somewhere like I bet when you went into school, people always say, Oh, I know who you need to speak to. I know three people on the in the you know, on the staff who will be brilliant characters for you and they you, you trot in to see them and the they're never the people you want on
1: television. No, they're always... All the ones The ones you always want are the ones that say, this is a terrible idea. I've got nothing I to, never want to yeah, yeah, I would
3: never do that.
1: Yeah. I would never do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But also, I th- what is interesting is that when you find, you know, a character that you think you can do something with and then you work out what environment they're in. I mean, with, with Essex, the first school we were in, the sort of, ultimately, the, the best character was at the hub of the school as well. So we were very lucky there that the sort of traffic... Of stories came through his office basically, and he was head of discipline and head of behaviour. So it was a gift of, of having someone that sort of not only was an interesting, clever, insightful person, but the, the place he operated in gave you the story. Mm-hmm. Great
0: so, sort of engine of stories.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Theresa, well, I was going to. Queue up your clip now for. Which for contradicts um, everything we've just been saying. <laughs> it's, got, it's got two kind of standout characters, but anyway, let's see. Um, yeah, do, do you want to show it first and then talk uh, about it a bit more?
2: Yes, I mean, just to give you, uh, uh, to say what you're going to see, um, we, in Secret Life, the kind of content bit of it is really children playing, and then we also set them some tasks suggested by the scientists on the show. And in this task that you're about to see, um, four children are given. A doll and it's one of those dolls that you have used in um, schools to basically as birth control to put people off teenage pregnancy they cry and they uh, respond and so we're giving five-year-olds kind of the nearest thing we can to a living doll so I think the scientist introduces it apologies I think it's a bit long but anyway let's play it in What we've got here might look like dolls that the children would be familiar with, but they're not. They do all of the things that babies do. They cry, they need feeding and changing and soothing. And you've got to work out what this infant needs with very little clues from them. Just like having a newborn. I'm a doggy. I'm
5: the dad. No, you got to be the dad. You've got to be the dad. You've got to be no, the dad. you can be a doggy or a cat.
2: Do you think he might not be ready for fatherhood?
5: i to crash it in his head. Don't! Why? Because he's a baby. <coughs> oh, no. I don't know what to do. Crying. triangle. I hate crying. I'm going to be a doggy. No, you have to be a daddy. I don't. You have to. I don't. Kate! He's not a dad. He's a dog. Dawn, she's kicking the baby. Stop it, Jude! Gently stop. <laughs> it.
6: What was Jude like looking after the baby?
5: He was whole rude because he kicked the baby. You kicked the baby, didn't you? And it cried. I can't believe. He kicked your baby. I know. That's really rude. I really, really wish we were a enough man. Hold the baby's arm. Hold the baby's arm. He said he's my girlfriend. Wait, are you your girlfriend? Are you? Nope. Where is this? <gasps> Jude? Jude? Um, you're not my boyfriend. Um, you and the dinosaur top is my boyfriend. Seriously?
2: completely contradicting what we were just talking about, because, I mean, uh, what did you want to ask um, Um, about the casting of the children?
0: Yeah, uh, the process of casting, because obviously unlike an Obstok, this is a constructed sort of conceit that you had to cast into, but also you're working with children and Mm. the the responsibilities of wanting to tell fantastic stories, but also your responsibilities to them, that's Mm. part of the difference with factual compared to drama when Mm. you've just got a bunch of actors. Sure, I mean it, it, it all starts with the casting and I'm sure just like educating
2: our casting mm. process is just, it's, it's enormous, gargantuan. We have a huge kind of document that we have to follow to the letter. And in a way, um, the job in casting is to try and persuade parents that they don't want to take part. And if at the end of all that, they say no. We really do want to take part. When you've told them all the terrible things that could happen, their child might have tantrums during the week, or just you know not come across in a way that they feel happy to be shown on television. And if they still want to do it at the end of that, um, then you know we look at casting them. But going back to what we were saying before. Um, It's really difficult, I find, in the casting process to make sure that we go for the children who are in some way touching or quiet, and that wasn't a very good example because they were all quite outgoing, they all delivered in a way as big characters, but the children who've really touched us most on Secret Life are the ones who find it difficult to make friends, who hang back... Who are a bit scared or nervous, and I mean, in the very first episode, which incidentally nobody wanted to show, and you know, that's something else to say in a, in a way later on about just following your idea and believing in it mm. and sticking to it. But there was a girl called Jessica who trailed around after this very charismatic girl, Skyler, and. It was very interesting because we didn't give her a backstory in the show. And uh, then we were looking at it and all the um, three assistants in our office watched it. And they said, we love Jessica. Why don't we go home? Why don't we see her at home? And we said, well, because there isn't really any story. Um, And it was just a big mistake. She was the person that people related to and were touched by. And actually, and did you go back? We it? absolutely did. We went back and shot a backstory, yeah. and it was—it's one of my favourite bits in the in the pilot. So, do you um, think
1: you'd have worked that out yourself if someone uh, else hadn't oh said I that? D- or... Yeah,
2: definitely. David. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd missed it. Right, you know, yeah. I hadn't seen it. You get too I'd, close to it. Sometimes, yeah, and I'd you. gone for story over character, and I mean, I had an interesting discussion with an ex-colleague of yours, David Brindley, and and he was saying remember that character and story are different things and it's story you're after. And I always argue that in this show, actually the character is the story. Um, There isn't much story. We've only got the characters.
1: There's enough story though, isn't there? Like the story in that is Mm. brilliant.
2: Well, We couldn't have written that. You know, they kind Mm. of, they were a gift. Although obviously there were ways that we helped. How much did you prepare that story and how much did it just happen? It just happened. Literally the minute uh, Jude, we, I mean, Where you're producing it is that you know you've got a strong character in Jude, um, so you send him into the classroom first. So he immediately starts doing um, the splits in the classroom. We sent in Ellie next. We didn't know they'd take a shine to each mm. other, but she, she was very impressed by him doing the splits, and so <laughs> he said, yeah, said, it's fine, except my trousers are a bit tight, you know, <laughs> and then instantly he said, come and sit next to me. It started, I mean, it was from sight, but it was, it, what I loved about it was using all the tropes of a romance, yeah. um, you know, down to the way they sat together with the baby. Mm. They'd seen that all on television, and yeah. they were borrowing it, they weren't really feeling it. We had other things in that show that w- were touch- more touching, I think. Yeah. Um, and, but that's fun to look at. You know they're playing a game yeah. with us. But, and then, we, of course, we added to the story by going back and getting interviews afterwards. So that interview with the baby, that's shot later. And actually what we found with children is they're really, really good. If you say to them, remember that moment when you were doing this. How much this? later?
1: Is that in the edit? Yeah, that's Two months in
0: the later. edit. No, we, about month later. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Kids' brains are more alert than ours, mm. aren't they? If someone yeah. asked me what happened they're a month really ago, good I'd, I'd be like, oh, what? They're, they're really good. But what? it is in the planning. So you have
3: thought about your mm. sequence. You've put in a baby that's going to cry. You've <laughs> thought you know about how they meet each me. other. And you've got the right characters and then you sit back totally. and allow it to happen yeah, totally. and that's and it's the sitting back isn't it and just uh, totally. sort of allowing
2: the space i mean the preparation is all in the casting and also the thinking of the task so when you know i thought oh i think it'd be very funny to see children with a baby like that but then it's all about which characters you choose to put in yeah. there now we put Jude and Ellie, because something was already developing between them. So you know you're going to push
0: that, mm. and you want a story arc. And you're not just giving each child a baby and seeing how each child reacts. You're, you're putting them in before. as couples. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which yes, is yes, is also true. the clever twist, isn't it? Yeah. You're making it like they're playing mum and dad, which mm. is well, that's or dog you, and cat. Yeah, or dog and cat. <laughs> <laughs> um, could you, could we show a bit of a clip of Phillips next? But um, it would just be interesting how. You know, with this, the process of four, five, six year olds, there is the p- ability to produce sort of scenes and stunts, but it's very different with your film. Mm-hmm. So do you want to talk us through the clip that we're seeing and then we'll talk about it afterwards?
4: Can we do it the other way around? Okay, yeah. let's just yeah.
0: run VG. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs>
4: Hello. Hello. Heya. That was a long five minutes. Now I've got talking to me an A worker. Oh, you young CEO at the pub. Then as I ran into the shop, uh, Philip, Philip. So I turned around and, of course, it's me an A sponsor. Oh, no. I see you've got a bowl. Oh, no, I'm terrible. I don't need to Let me see it. it. It's just dog shit that stuff. Phil, yeah, right. so what can you do with one fifty? I mean, there's more. I just can't afford this lifestyle though. you just punched that money off me. Yeah, to get bags. Are you gonna be okay today? Yeah, I'll be alright. Bit worried. About Maria? Yeah. Dad told me his girlfriend had just been in a fight. She was punched and kicked in the street and he went off to find her. I ignored his calls that week, but he kept phoning me. When I finally answered, he told me he was close to using heroin again. So I went back the next day.
0: Very different um, in tone and proposition, mm. but for a film like this, which obviously you've got a central relationship that's mm-hmm. very familiar. But how on earth did you structure this program from the get-go? You know, with an obstacle like this, how did you know? Did you just let it things unfold, and then how much did you think I've got to have an endpoint because <coughs> otherwise I could film this story forever? Uh,
4: no, it just all unfolded. Um, there was no planning or anything really. Just turned up. And just just started. With, yeah, and just started filming.
0: And how long did it take you to shoot uh, the film?
4: We started in March and I finished in January the following year.
0: Wow, so... So it was
4: a long time, but there was a big gap in the middle.
0: And so wh- when you were... How did you, just in terms of technique, how did you plot that? Did you, you know, were you writing a script to go along with? Were you thinking, looking at your rushes and letting a story? Did you just
4: no, go just with went, it? yeah. Never looked at anything. Just, every time I was going there, I knew sort of how how our relationship was developing so I had a central question every time I was going to film Um, and then I'll just let it let it go from there really because you never knew what's going to happen that's the whole magic of of filming and television you don't really know where it's going to go so you just follow follow the story follow the lines and just go with your intuition I think.
0: And And then with building around that you obviously knew it's dad, Mm -hmm. but then there's all these other characters. Did Mm. you, how did you um, collaborate with them? Did you sort of, as people coming in, you were having to sort of get access as you went along? Yeah, they
4: just rocked up and I had to deal with it there and then. Yeah, and how did they
0: respond to the fact that suddenly you're filming this? They were just,
4: what the fuck's going on? They were just (laughs) completely perplexed Mm -hmm. and they just had no idea what was going on. So
0: you're building a sort of big Mm. Greek chorus of extra characters as you go along.
4: Yeah.
0: And then, so you get to the end and um, you're thinking, this is obviously someone who's very vulnerable.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: D- how did you feel about your sort of, you know, you want to tell this story, but you also, it's somebody's life. Did mm. you, um, how did you manage that?
4: Well, at the end of the film, it, it turns, and it's much more of a reflection on on the effect that it's had on me, that relationship, and I thought that was fair, because it was, because the film is, a, is about us and our relationship, yeah. um, and I thought it was only fair that I... Told the audience my perspective of it because I'm behind the camera, and obviously I'm using that as a as a defence as well. Yeah. Um. So I thought that was that was the best way to do it. But you know, that's I think was just talking about your resolutions with stories, and sometimes I think also the it should be completely open ended Mm. because life just carries on, and Mm. there is a big grey area now and uh, I do believe in some some stories can just go on and on and on, mm. and it doesn't have to be neat, neat ties mm, to ends. Totally. Um, and that's that felt the most natural way for me
0: to but that's And also that's the difference with factual, isn't it, is that actually you are sometimes taking slices mm. of life mm. rather than writing. I think
3: what I meant by resolution is it has to have a sort of satisfying mm. hold to it,
0: like the, the
3: arc of watching a programme. Yeah, life is messy and it's... I personally I hate dramas where in the last, you know, you've know, you been watching for six episodes and in the last episode everything gets tied up in a nice little bow and you just you know, whereas you can't do that in factual but what you because when creating a piece of art or a piece of work you do need to make sure it's sort of it has some satisfaction for the audience so at the end you think okay I've that's a completed a piece a journey, yeah. so it may not be that the story is all you know nicely tied up but you there's an arc that you've come to the end of.
0: I mean, it's, it's educating. You've got a massive investment of time and energy to rig a school. Yeah. You know you're going to have how many, like, eight to ten episodes?
1: Yeah, normally there's about um, eight episodes.
0: How do you do... You, do you think we know what those eight are going to be? Or when, when do you start to think... So it's either...
1: about 50-50, probably. We do a lot of pre-casting, so yeah. similar to Secret Life in many ways. Yeah. You know, you, we spend a long time in the school could be sort of three to six months beforehand before the rig goes in the rig goes in for sort of seven weeks um, and you know through that period we're looking for stories and good characters and people that we um, you know are really drawn to and I think you know this, this the, the rig is amazing yeah. and and it's also frustrating um, and what's brilliant about it is you can catch things you know capture to catch um, things in such a sort of unobtrusive way that there's a, an amazing real quality to it. But at the same time, um, you know, you're not in the room with the contributors at that point. So you're not directing in the same way. And, and I love both and think there's a place for both. I think you can still direct using the rig if you know what you're doing. And often I think that that's not always the case that you, you know, people think that all they need to do is sort of stand back and watch and then make the decisions later and actually, you know, it is like any filmmaking, you know, if you're really good at it, you go after a story and you react and you
6: and deal change, with it.
1: As, but, a, as yeah. A, yeah, but you you have a sort of purpose as you're collecting the, 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 the rushes. Yeah. But... Um, Sorry, does that help you then not get lost in all the, the sheer volume of material? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean,
4: also,
0: but, you've even got the thing that you have to mic people, so you have to make decisions all the time about yeah, where you think the story's going. Yeah. Is that and, right? Yeah, and,
1: you, you know, normally, because you can't mic everyone and it would be too complicated and too messy, you know, we will probably have 15 to 20 students on a mic and half a dozen of the sort of main teachers. And you know, we're planning every day about, OK, even just the sort of logistics of which classrooms we're in and how we work. we're only going to have cameras in three or four classrooms, so we're moving classes into these classrooms depending on who's in there, what's happening in their lives, why we're following them, um, and then obviously that's the one part of it, and then there's all of the communal areas, and actually a lot of educating takes place outside of the classroom. Um, but, you know, you, you we sort of follow stories with kids and then some of them, frankly, really deliver and some of them don't. Um, and so every
0: day you're having to react to that and it's the story that drives that for you? Yeah, Thinking, both. Oh, this is unfolding, we better change our plan or...?
1: I mean, both. So I guess, um, you know, there's the sort of stories that are going on in the kids' heads and sort of the the everyday bits of school life and then there are things that just happen and we're reactive to so you know some of the best episodes are kids that we've never actually really spoken to beforehand but they've got involved in something and it could be a fallout or a you know a romance that's gone wrong or you know generally they're the more dramatic end of school so it could be a fight um you know so there's those sort of things that we can go okay well we can try and tell that in a responsible way um so it's i guess the sort of you know both Bits going on at the same I think time. I that's the
3: hardest thing in documentaries, and something you learn over time is when to have agency in the story and when to sit back. And mm. it's it's all this. And so, mm. yeah, and, and sort of the you sort of look at the phrase observational documentaries, and you think I, I'm just going to observe. But of course, every decision you make is editorializing. You know, deciding when to to but go not, and not film. To, yeah. mm. If that's editorialising. You're making decisions about which scenes you're going to show and which scenes are, I won't go and film today. Everything we do is you're having an agency in the story. And so you have to be really sort of clear that actually it's not just a mirror. We're not just observing. We're, we're part of it. So knowing when to get involved and mm. produce a bit or make decisions and knowing when to step back and allowing life to be sort of much more extraordinary than you could ever imagine and you know, much more sort of stranger than fiction, knowing when to do that, I think, is the, is the constant battle, mm. isn't it, that
1: we all And also, have. then, when you take it into the edit, you make choices again. Mm. So the yeah, footage yeah. you get isn't the story you tell. Mm. So, you know, where you enter a scene or where you leave a scene, or there could be multi-perspectives that you've taken on that day, and actually, you only then decide to tell the, the, you know, one side of the story at that point. So they're all choices, which mm. are great. It's what's amazing about it being in the positions we're in you know we can tell stories and it's that's the exciting thing
2: it's fun on the rig as well so just yeah. briefly I, 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 you know personally i love rig because as an exec you've got a very big role because on the day you're deciding you know how long to run to let a sequence unfold for obviously talking to your team yeah. but compared to being at, you know back at you know hq and getting a call from your pd it's very exciting um, to be on the rig because it's happening in front of your eyes. And you, ev- as Emma says, every decision you're making has an impact on the story you'll be able yeah. to tell.
0: I think that's quite an interesting point. Sorry, it's not it's in our list of things to talk about, but the the role of that when you talk and when you don't talk as mm. well as a programme maker, which isn't mm. in drama, that, that the storytelling is about a dialogue. Yeah. Whether it's... Uh, and I think, didn't you evolve that with the rig, the first family, there was no interviews. Yeah, no interview, the role the
1: of the first family, family. And then, I mean... I found that frustrating because I wanted to get inside people's heads. And I guess as a, as a filmmaker where I had a camera on my shoulder, I could ask questions. But when you're you know, capturing the, the footage in a different type of way, you're not able to do that. So, I mean, the, the process is still... There's a lot of producing that's going on and the team are in the school constantly and having conversations with everyone and, and still doing all of the normal relationship work that you would do, whether you were filming it with a single camera or multi cameras, but um, that you know, the, the, the insight you can then get from interviews to then sort of get inside people's heads and ask the questions that you can't ask in the room yeah. because you're physically not there. And I think as the series for me has gone on, occasionally when the, the team haven't understood that, they have felt like you just get everything and then you make those decisions in the edit. And actually, that's a mistake. So it's still knowing that, OK, this has happened today let's go and talk to them in the moment let's get them into the you know into, into, into the, the interview pod and and reflect. and reflect yeah and give the insight that And how
2: much in let's say educating how much um, of that is shot in at the mo- at the moment it happens and how much is afterwards with your interview
1: uh, Yeah both i mean both. the same thing in the terms of once we're in the edit we'll go back and we'll yeah. do lots of interviews and the truth of it is that you know we make the teachers are a much more interesting version of themselves. Mm. And, and <laughs> it's the same with the kids. I yeah. mean, people normally yeah. criticise telly for looking for the, the, the worst bits in people and actually we genu- generally and genuinely want the best could... bits. Mm. And, you know, they need help with that. Yeah. So making them more likeable, making them more <laughs> insightful. And, you know, its well, we're all complicated, aren't way, we? you
0: go, oh, God, we've got, we've got to keep the viewer here because they're, well, they're, they're really unpleasant. So you've got to spend an hour with these people. So yeah. you want to draw them in with yeah. And you've the got a huge person.
2: responsibility because these are teenagers yeah. who are on social media. And, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine that because the children on secret life, you're dealing with the parents. And yeah. Some of the things that are said about the children are unbelievably horrible you know I'd like to kick that cunt in the face and you just think sorry that's a five-year-old mm. but I would find it very really yeah, really difficult to, it is, really. it's very to think odd. that your contributors are on yeah. that as well they take a, a still shot of someone
1: and put it up next to a cartoon character and you know I mean it's vile mm. so there's I mean it's about mm. the relationships again and, <clears> and holding their hand through that process
0: just looking at the clip for Phillips there I, what i love and i think probably all of us are at some point in an edit there's that moment when the director is speaking and asking and it's like it's not that you're actually asking you're not producing your dad you're you're just saying that thing about the fags going you just pumped that money off me mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. that tells you more than anything because mm-hmm. it's about a relationship there mm-hmm. so sometimes those are the moments mm-hmm. aren't they that mm-hmm. come up and again you can't script or plan those mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. i love those direct you know well chosen director's mm-hmm. questions
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can I just ask you, Philip, mm. why you wanted to make the film in the first place? What your um, motivation? I don't know if there's a simple answer, or maybe it's true.
4: Um, uh, don't know. It was just in my head. I just yeah. had to get it out, really. Right, yeah. story
0: to tell.
2: Mm. Yeah,
4: it's just in my head, and just wanted to know him, really. It's just someone who's just been completely just lost. He's just been sidelined by society. Mm. I just thought it was really sad. Mm.
5: And how
0: did he feel about the film at the end? Is he pleased with it? Well, did you show it to? Yeah, him? yeah, of yeah. course.
4: Yeah, no, he's seen it. Yeah, he's. Um, I don't. I couldn't imagine what it's like watching yourself on okay. television for an hour. You know, I would never want to be on Delhi yeah. for an hour, a camera in my face. Um, <laughs> did it help him? Oh, sorry. Is this a bit? Oh uh, yeah. Right, yeah. Sorry. Personal, um, um, I don't. I don't know. Right. I
0: don't. Yeah. Know.
4: Complicated. Um,
0: yeah. Uh, Emma, can we? T- the, um, there's another layer that we want to look at which is not just documentary but specialist factual which is quite often in the factual space but you're trying to add layers of extra content mm. um we, should we show a clip of the ambulance which might be useful to remind us <laughs> we're going to how old is this eric who's
3: fallen over he's got a back injury and he's slouched on the chair
4: cool came in at what time
6: seven o'clock
4: Oh man, it's 10 o'clock. Three hours old.
6: And he's 92. Bless him.
4: Three hours ain't fair, is it? Oh. Poor old Eric, let's go and see if he's all right.
1: Shaney and Dave are a five minute drive from Eric's house. Two miles away at Hampstead train station, an emergency miscarriage call is in progress.
7: The hope coming! No heartbeat,
1: I've had a cancer, no heartbeat for she has a son. Just reassure her that she is doing very well, okay? And help will be with
8: her as soon as possible, okay?
1: Shaney and Dave are now 300 metres from Eric's front door. The miscarriage patient in Hampstead is a higher priority,
4: so the allocator desk must divert them to Hampstead.
3: Yeah, mm. so what we were trying to do. <laughs> Was I think often in documentaries, you, you tell a, a small story, you go, in, you go in close to try and sort of illuminate a bigger thing. Your film mm. being a classic example. Um, so you're trying to talk about addiction and relationships with parents by telling one particular story. And that's what we've, I've done all my career. And I think what we were trying to do in this is sometimes you want to sort of have a flash. Of the horizon, because it 's quite hard to you know i 've made lots of hospital programs, and it 's quite hard to tell a close story to explain or to extrapolate to the sort of the reason they can 't do that is because this is happening over here yeah. and it's, it's quite a hard thing to tell you can sort of do it by putting two stories juxtapositioning two stories, but you don't actually see the real dilemma or the real the graphics are yeah and it, and we just we, so we, we were trying to work out how can you see the whole horizon of everything that the London Ambulance Service was having to deal with. And um, and it came out of documentaries department, but it obviously has this specialist factual layer. I've never worked with graphics before in my life, um, but it was actually really satisfying. It was really, because it felt like it added to it. And as you say, for that moment, you just got a flash of, oh, bloody hell, this is happening everywhere. These have <laughs> the, the decisions everywhere. that yeah. having yeah. to make. It's um, so but didn't it. seem to take away from the documentary yeah. Aspect and I, you know, I sort of that was a, it was quite satisfying at the time.
0: But you're layering it on as well, aren't you, with the with the sort of the audio that you've got, yeah. so you're being able to build some yeah. narratives, yeah. But collect them really elegantly. Yeah.
3: And I think we used to think in telly that there, you know, there are lots of different genres that can't speak to each other, and especially as factual is very different to factual, which is very different to pop. You know, it's, it's obviously it's all bollocks. I mean, we're just trying to tell stories, and you use whatever's in your armour. To tell that story the best, and and each story is very different, and each story needs different elements. So I think probably what's happening in happening in telly now is we're sort of getting rid of those labels, and actually, how do you want to
0: tell this story? So
3: how do the you, what do you need? Yeah,
1: cross genre yeah. ideas. Good. That's mm. good. Yeah,
0: yeah. And also it's that that thing that you every time we keep revisiting different stories, don't we? And it's how you give mm. another turn. Yeah. The dial to sort of yeah. tell it in a slightly different way, whether it's yeah. using the rig, with some, mm. taking that from entertainment or factual, into yeah. factual, and now it's become such a popular device. And then factor.
1: how it goes from the sort of original access to something into much more of a brilliant constructed world. Mm. That,
0: like first dates
2: or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, We've got some funny categories as well, because what the hell does features mean? You know, I'm, some of those genre divisions are just very odd. And Specialist Factual, what does that mean? I mean, Secret Life is a Specialist Mm. Factual commission. It's crazy. I think a lot of it's all about, um, I mean, it's all about the, maybe the award ceremonies
3: yeah. at the end. Like, how do we categorise? And yeah. they just come up with these yeah. mad titles. We call it a feature. Feature with a presenter, non-feature. You're just like, they're just the but For the a audience
0: film. at home, no one says, oh, I must watch a feature program. No, no never. Tonight. No. They just go, oh, that's on. I think that that's a good great, story. Yeah. yeah. And I think yeah. that's, that, that's yeah. the other thing. I, um, we haven't got it on the list again, but um, just how much are you thinking about your audience when you're telling your stories and, and how... This story is going to be revealed. Is that that's?
3: I think it's. I um, you always have to think about the time. audience the whole time. And I think um, when you forget, and I, I'm not in a specific sort of way. And yeah, I'm personally, I don't think. Oh, I mean, maybe we should have bit, But oh, this is ITV eight o'clock. This is the person watching that. I don't do it in that sort of specific. Um,
1: Depends what you make. Reductionist way. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think. You do. I do that because I make things for yeah. all the broadcasters. Yeah. So you do try and think. You, t- you know yeah. what feels more Channel Four or more BBC yeah, Two. Yeah. You know. Uh, you think about
3: tone, I think, yeah, don't you? Yeah. You do. I think a really important thing is about making television is what tone is this program going to have? Mm. And I think that's an audience and a
0: channel-led yeah. decision. I think sometimes um, you're maybe thinking, how can I tell this story for a younger audience? Yeah. And unfortunately, the channels have maybe a vision of their audience, and you think maybe they're under, uh, have a lesser expectation of what that audience might be willing to engage with. Mm, True. um, uh, So, um, we've collected all our fantastic rushes, we're now in the edit. Talk about talk us through how things change. I mean, for you, at the end, you, you've just had, what, nine, ten uh, months of... have been in an
4: edit for 11 weeks, so one more week left. At the moment? Yeah, at the moment. And yeah. how
0: long were you in the edit for Chasing for this, Dad? Well, I did
4: two versions, so Chasing Dad, so um, there was two versions. There was one for my uni, yeah. which I edited myself, and then after film school, um, I filmed a lot more, and then it got turned into a 60-minute... Um, so when I was editing, I did it for six weeks alone and that was a 20-minute version. And then when it went to BBC, we edited for 10 weeks, I
1: think. Was it difficult that that sort of turning it from a more personal film for uni into a film for telly? And were there things that you didn't want to do, but you had to do? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Commentary.
4: Commentary. Commentary, voiceover. Yeah. Uh, so I just really didn't want to do it Yeah, at all. Um, yeah. So my uni one was very just. Yeah. It was very brutal, and it was just black titles and.
1: And how did you feel about the TV version? At,
4: at the time, I was, re, you know, I was very reluctant, hesitant yeah. to do it. But then, as soon as I did it, I realised that the audience is much more with it. Yes. You're in the story. You're in my head. You're in his head, and it carries it through. Yeah. So it's, you know, it was it was fine in the end, yeah. but yeah, I'm not going to say, oh yeah, I was, <laughs> I was loving it, I was a bit like, oh, I don't want to do that, it's really corny and cheesy. Yeah. But there's a way with voiceover, yeah, of you, course. you can do it in a non-cheesy way, it can really yeah. work, but it's it really, can help. <laughs> it can really help. It can I really think. help, I think, it can really it's help. Really it's help. really hard to do, it's one of the hardest things, I think, in yeah. script writing.
0: And it's an underrated skill, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about that, David? How do you enjoy scripting? Or
1: Yeah, I mean, I... I, I, sort of, I think as a filmmaker, you'd sort of do that journey of going, I, I'm going to keep it pure, I don't want to have voiceover. And then, you know, now I'm an exec, I think, tell the filmmakers straight away we're putting voiceover on it yeah. because actually I haven't got time to waste in six, six weeks in the edit where we try not to put it in. Yeah. Because it's, you know, they're obviously different audiences and different channels want different things. And, you know, a festival film is very different to a, a film that goes out at 8 o'clock on Channel 4 or BBC 2. So um, A
0: really brilliant line of calm can be just a thing. Yeah, beauty, yeah it, and
1: it can it? really absolutely add to the story and make it more interesting, more enjoyable. You know? And
0: often really help with your
2: tone. Really yeah. nailing your tone is often in a choice of a word or a way it's delivered yeah. or how much or how little. Those those decisions really help with saying this is what you're sitting with and allow your audience to think, okay, I know what this is, I can you know, I know this is telling a bigger picture or I know this is layering this up, or, or it's saying, just get into this story, yeah. just be with it. Mm. Or it's saying, this is really personal, it's my story, or,
0: mm. you know, I think. I mean, yeah, the bugbear is when you people, you watch something and then you, the com tells you ju- what you've just seen. Oh, and yeah. as like an audience, you sit there think, oh my God. Or
3: tries to give you the emotion. Yeah, yeah I think mm. they're, they're, bad commentary can ruin a, a film. And, you know, have, you see it as, you know, when you read commentary, that mm. people who are trying to say, you know you should, there shouldn't be any descriptive words or emotional words in com really it should you know it has a very specific role most of the time
1: we so would you, i was gonna say we were doing something for emma for bbc2 and we had to do the voiceover with the actor before we'd finished the film and this this was, was happening track. this was happening this week because he'd got off to make a film and we needed three extra lines that we hadn't got because we hadn't quite finished the oh. film but we did manage to cobble the lines together oh from across God. the series of these. So oh. if you watch the final episode next week, it, spot it, it. yeah, yeah, you get it. Yeah, the,
0: <laughs> the slight intonation, yeah. yeah,
1: but it worked.
0: Excellent. Um, so have I? Have oh, you all Oh, David, we haven't shown your clip. Ah. So um, what do we? Do, do you want to describe? Well, I guess it
1: sort of talks to what we've been saying about educating. Really, it's from the first series, and it's my two favourite characters. So it's Mr. Drew, who I think is, for me, is still the standout star of every series, partly because he is this incredible character, very passionate, very clever, very insightful, but also at the centre of all of the action. And he's dealing with a very stroppy teenager called Molly. And she was I loved her as a character, (laughs) but um, it was difficult to find the story. But actually, she went on a school report, and that was a starting point for working out how the sort of beats of a story you need. So great character, she comes in with, sort of presents with a challenge, but for the teachers, it's about how they can get her through her education, basically, and the sort of challenges she presents to them. So it's then sort of working out, okay, what are they going to do to help her get there? So we've got much better as the series have gone on about going, okay, this is a problem these are the challenges, can the teachers put those, overcome those challenges and can the students either sort of pass or fail ultimately in a sort of simple way, I guess. Um, And I just think it's one of my favourite scenes because I'd love the two of them sparring off each other. And, you know, also it's got some interview at the end of it which just does that thing of getting inside his head which I think humanises him and, 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 and the student as well. It's about two minutes, so... It's not HD, it looks really old.
6: <laughs>
1: Do we not try hard enough for you?
6: Uh, yeah, but you just don't listen to me. As soon as Mr Ringshaw comes along, tells you a load of oh, He's telling oh, God's sake.
8: Yeah, when you're ready to come back in, come back in.
6: Can I have my report? I'm going home.
8: Not until i finish finished talking Why? to
6: you. Why? Because this is my time, obviously. i okay, I'll
8: just ring your mum and I'll make it my time.
6: Oh, my God. Oh, my days. Give me my report. I'm going home. No. Give me my report.
8: I'm not sure how that works on your friends, but it doesn't work on me.
6: I wasn't even being naughty. I did all my work. You can even look. Can you give me my report, please? Okay.
8: I would like you to recognise.
6: I don't care. After it happened, I come to see you Mm -hmm. because I wanted to tell you Mm -hmm. what had happened. But Miss Bex was sitting here and you can even ask her. And she said that you was teaching. Which I was. So it wasn't like I was just trying to have an argument with him. I was coming here to ask you if I could have five minutes to sit with you. Fine, fine.
8: And if I'd been here, then that would have happened.
6: (laughs) Well, you're looking at me like I'm some sort of prat.
8: I absolutely am not. If I thought that, would I still be trying to have the conversation? Horrible,
6: with you? But I, I'm not happy about something, but that doesn't matter because. How
8: does it not matter?
6: No, can you just hurry up? I'm really fed up of talking about it.
8: Perhaps we will talk about it tomorrow. <laughs> you, you don't swear as much as do uh, don't need your comment or input in any way, shape, or form. I'm
1: sorry, but I am not. On my
8: No. Vic always talks about children having lots of doors to go through. And every time they get something wrong, they close another door. And I always see that with someone like Molly. She would slam every single door shut in her own face until there were no doors and she was trapped in the room, to be honest. Your total inability to have manners shames you. So we've got to constantly be running around the room, pushing the doors back open again. And then she'll shut them again but eventually we'll hold them open by a crack and they won't shut and they will be fine. So she can do whatever she wants to do, but not on her own. Not
0: on her own. Mm, <laughs> so good. <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about that
1: anymore? Well, no, I mean, I guess I was going to say that the, the, with the storytelling of it is, you know, with the rig, we end up filming lots of interesting things and we try and work out how to sort of find an, a narrative arc through that. But then the layering in of the insight really just makes it much more compelling and dramatic. And then you know you can then use the sort of montage bits as well of how you can sort of build a story. You know from not just the scenes and the actuality you get, but then the little bits that you get in an edit that can, you know, turn it into something just really special. Just watching
0: that moment play out though, it's just mm.
1: yeah, it's just yeah, gorgeous,
0: yeah. Um, I'd really like to throw the the conversation open to the rest of the room. Is that okay? Of course. Excellent. So does anyone have a question they'd like to ask the panel? Um, The first hand I saw there was right in the middle of the (coughs) row. Can we get a microphone to the girl with the, I think, stripy, greenish jumper on? Hello.
4: Um, So, my question is, um, as series go on and on and people get more, uh, they get more established and a lot of people know the name, does it become harder to find contributors that are kind of authentic, that don't mention kind of on the show, oh, I'm so excited to be on this show, I guess it doesn't always apply for maybe the young kids and things like that, but... But in, in general, for, for shows like that, do you, do you find it make it makes it harder for I,
3: th- I think people do become more um, aware of the process. I, we were interviewing someone last year, and every so often they went, is that going to make the pre-title? <laughs> 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 and you're like, oh, okay. Uh, and of course it never did. But... Um, So I think, yeah, I think you do have to become... And also young kids are much more aware of the filmmaking process and editing and, you know, they're just much more savvy about these things. But I I think that's good because it forces us to have a much more honest, transparent relationship with people where you... And you can spot people who want to be the next Mr. Drew. Mm. You spot and you can, you know, guide away from that. But I, I, I... I think the fact that people are becoming more aware is a good thing because I think it forces us to behave better mm. and just to be much
0: more transparent about the whole process. Mm. Do you find that with educating, that when you go in and start casting the school... That
1: they... Actually, I'm always slightly disappointed that m- m- the kids have never watched oh, it. Oh, true. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm always like, oh. Um, I think the teachers, definitely, um, they always get their hair cut and come in in their best suits <laughs> on the first day of filming, and they definitely think, some of them, I think, you know, we interview go meet lots of head teachers, and some of them definitely think they're gonna be the next big thing. Um, but, you know, you end up going to schools where, you know, that's not the case, and, you know, they're firefighting every day, and they're They've trying to do, stuff. yeah, yeah. So I think it depends where you go and how well you choose them.
0: Um, Anyone anyway, next question? Um, the chat there, just, just up from there.
7: Hi, um, <clears throat> I wonder how you go about um, picking subject matter. So um, an example would be um, I'm connected with criminality and I'm seeing a lot of stuff come out which is about gangs, and when I watch them, I feel that it's in some way trivialising a serious thing that I've lived through. Um, how do you pick, you know, go about choosing what subjects and how to tell those stories? In fact. Um, yeah, Emma.
3: Um. I think choosing story, I, I mean, the position I'm in at the moment now at the BBC is you, you do suddenly feel, God, this is a massive responsibility and privilege in deciding what films get made about what subjects and whose stories we're telling. And I think the challenge is to make sure that we're hearing, and I mean, on, <laughs> in the country at the moment, you do feel like, God, there are so many people, just we don't understand each other, the 48 and the 52 there's no communication between us so you do feel like that particularly at this time stories and telling stories from other sides of the fence is a really really important thing I think our challenge is to find enough different voices to tell those stories so it's not always the same voice telling a story from you know all over the place so maybe you know that in you finding it you know that the film's about gang culture trivializing uh, your experience, is probably because we're not finding the right voices to tell those stories. It depends
1: so, where it's on as well. There's a yeah. series on Channel 5 starting this week about gangs, and I think that would be very different to a, a film on the BBC, for instance. Yeah. It's All yeah. um, Who Makes It. Yeah,
0: yeah. is that the but Maroon
1: film? I Maroon's know. film. Uh, I, I just um, yeah, th-
0: there's a film by about gangs. I don't know, did you see that one on Channel 5? And they, what they did, was because they felt exactly that they actually quite often... People making films about gangs are the program makers who have a viewpoint. They, put a, they literally set up a drop-off point with a load of GoPros and gave it to the gangs to tell their own story. Mm-hmm.
7: Yeah, sorry. I mean, that one there is as much about those guys looking back because it's not a film, so there's that. There is entertainment
4: that
7: comes from that, which, you know, is questionable. Yeah. coming Um, that makes me feel a certain way about um, the idea that gangs just look a certain way. Mm. They're black guys. They come from certain areas of, of, you know, of section of society. Mm. And so when I look at some of these things, I I immediately question what is the motive of Mm. it? Mm. Um, Is it just continuing the story that is being told? And, you know, it's an easy story to tell. Or is there a real kind of sense of... Um, responsibility yeah. mm. going on in how we choose those stories. Yeah.
3: I, think, I think. I mean, I think you're absolutely right, and I think it's about intention. You know, we all make lots of programmes about set hospitals or schools or in, or places where there are vulnerable people going through extraordinary things, and you can make those programmes and it be completely emotional porn, basically. And I, I don't know, but the viewer gets something from watching other people in distress, and and and, and I think good filmmakers uh, have exactly your. Um, uncomfortableness and a continual debate about how, why am I making this? What's my intention of this film, and is it going to make the world a better place, or are we just sort of pandering to you know making entertainment? Yeah, and it's I think we need people like you who have about, about those sorts of issues going on for them because it means you you know it'll come from a good place mm. really.
0: But also, someone like Philip, you you know you t- came not from the industry; you were sort of. Mm a student and you wanted stories to tell so it's important I think for people to feel that they can have Absolutely. access to the industry to tell their own stories um, is there another question um, so this um, girl down at the front I think you've been trying to ask a question for a while <coughs> and do you want to stick other hands up and I'll try and, okay, then didn't you Um, Hi. Um, So I was just wondering, in terms
6: of, recently I've seen a lot um, of casting calls for specifically northern people. I saw something recently for, I think it was The Secret Life of Five-Year-Olds looking for northern people. I know that Educating obviously is doing Educating Salford. Um, Do you think there is something recently that's kind of spurred the north on to be a particularly heavy casting area. Is there something particular about the north that?
1: It's the northern charm. That? I mean, you thank can't you. I'm it. northern, so <laughs> I get that on
6: board. Um, but I just wondered, like, whether that it's a phase and if it's going to phase out, or what particularly. I mean, about Coronation the is
1: Street's it? the longest-running soap in the world. You know, I think it's 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 the genuine warmth and and great characters and distinctive characters as well. Actually, Salford has that. We're in the edit with it at the minute, and it's what's good. Is that you? They have a real voice, should and we be worried? I think, should
6: we be, wor- we be worried? No. And from Grimsby and Skint did not do as good. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I mean I, I hope people that watch Educating would think that you know we we look after everyone that we film with. Um, but it is interesting the debate around the success of the series that actually if we set the series in the north, more people will come to it. London definitely, people don't want to watch Londoners outside of London, um, and the sort of southern counties that don't have a clear character, people aren't drawn to in the same way. So it's definitely a, 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 something we really think about when we're, we're casting for the school.
2: And I think if the broadcasters, like if Channel 4 <coughs> does move out of London, that will have an impact. I think there's been a terrible southeastern bias. And, um, yeah, it's, it, you look at how programmes are cast um, when they're programmes that have a cast, um, rather than a documentary with a character at the heart of them, or some characters, and you, it's just shocking the London bias. And then you go, you know, you do a program with an, an all Northern cast for whatever reason, because you're doing educating or something. Just it's got a different character, different
0: feel. I mean, but I'd like. It's inevitable, fe- though, that you, as you make different series, you have to move it around because you want to tell a slightly different story of a different place. So you yeah yeah You'll definitely. move to different areas. Yeah yeah. To, yeah. to, to ring some yeah. changes. Yeah.
1: But we've never represented Britain, have we? You know, we've been terrible in terms of diversity, yeah. and you know we're being held to account to yeah. it now in a good way. Yeah. And I think you know we'll see a big change. And that's over probably the why years. people are
0: going to see those in the casting calls, aren't
1: yeah. they? Mm. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and sorry, is this the girl here? I oh, was.
1: Oh yeah. Um, um, so sometimes in uh, documentaries you kind of see a, like a bad guy or bad character come across, and I was kind of one particularly. Have you ever had any parents or kind of turn around and say, I don't want this story or I don't want this development of children? How do you keep control of the story when that sort of sway starts occurring? Me to start? Um, I think that we um, it's about the relationships really. There's definitely um, what we don't want to do, we're not doing an expose on bad schools or bad teenagers if there's such a thing. But or naughty teenagers. We're trying to tell the stories of young people. Um, And young people make mistakes, and there are definitely things that that we film, because of the way we film it, that we will make a choice whether we think it's appropriate to use it or not. So from that point all the way through, so casting, filming, editing, going on telly, there are endless conversations um, with the team, the teachers, parents, the students, the channel lawyers, about um, <coughs> what we think is fair and appropriate. And actually, we've never had... We show all of the main kids that feature in the series and their parents, the, the, the episodes before they go out, and we've never had to take someone out of the series because we're very thorough about how we um, you know, get to that place.
2: Have you ever changed things? Um, as a result of those
1: viewings, yeah, occasionally, like tiny things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we, I guess we've we've been really good at carrying everyone through the process. Mm-hmm. Um, normally, actually, it's not about kids. The kids are generally really pleasantly surprised. <laughs> um, but occasionally, with teachers, they've said things in interview where they've gone, "Actually, I'd rather not." You not include that because mm. it's sort of in terms of their professionalism mm. um, they're, they're concerned about it it 's like two or three things mm. and normally it 's around drinking <laughs> so um, um, but again it's a privilege to be in you know wherever we film isn't it mm. and you know we 're respectful of that
2: so um, i'd add to that I mean it doesn 't come up a lot with secret life but it, it, it does come up and I would say in a situation like that so we 'll watch a, a, a difficult film with parents um, and if there's something that they really want taken out then, then, then that's when it goes to your responsibility as a filmmaker. You have to really ask why you want that bit in why it's important to you, question that. And if you really believe that it's important to tell that story, then it's about taking those parents with you, making them understand why it's important. But usually I find it's about listening. If people have an issue with a film, it's about really listening to the detail of what their issue is.
1: And it never normally is the thing you think it's gonna be.
2: It's totally unexpected. Like we had a child who said, brilliantly in a piece of play. She was being excluded from something and she said, a curse on your baby. Uh, It was genius. It totally kind of inhabited the world of fairy tales. It understood how stories work. Parents hated it. And I said... It's fantastic, but I thought, right, what are they hating? And and we basically put some more of her in the film so that it balanced it, and then they were fine with it. And we also put a bit of context, we added a scientist. We never do this in the films, but we had a scientist talking before it happened, saying, what you're about to see is a child rather brilliantly taking the language of fairy tale and using it. And it, it softened it, and it stayed in. They support. It's the listening to people, isn't it? Uh, mm. For me, I think that's absolutely fundamental. Mm. Yeah, and it's about the relationship, as David mm. says.
0: Is yeah. there um, Okay. Uh, do you have a moment where you were developing a story and you had to walk away from it, um, as happens sometimes in factual? And what triggered it? And um, what did you learn from it?
3: Anyway. Um, I've had to walk away from lots of stories, and it's it's if you feel like you can't tell their story in a way that's safe for them, normally. Um, if you're following a ch- you know, someone who's, who becomes more and more sort of unattractive to the outsider, you know, to, the, to the viewer, and you know it's, you can't tell it in a safe way. You know it's an amazing story and what they've done is amazing, but um, you wouldn't be able to keep them safe or you wouldn't be able to do them justice. Or
1: they're too vulnerable. They're or? too
3: vulnerable, and um, yeah. So you, you have to walk away a lot, I think. And that, again, that comes down to sort of uh, it's what you were saying up there. You know, it's about your sort of integrity
0: and respect for the for what you're doing, really. And I, it could be that within a film that you then don't include that story, or sometimes
3: the whole. Yeah, thing. Or, or you don't. I mean, uh, we made a, a, a film last year about children going through bereavement who'd been bereaved by. Murder and manslaughter, and um, sometimes you don't tell their full story. You know, sometimes you you can tell the story of a ten-year-old whose father killed their mother and then killed himself uh, while you were asleep upstairs, but you don't tell a bit about the abuse that she suffered. Or you know, you can you you just have to be mindful as to what you what the the intention of the film is and what you need to to. To make that film, and what you what's just tittle tattle in a way, and what isn't necessary, and how you can do it and keep them safe. Is that what you're finding Philip, with your yeah. latest film? Yeah,
4: I, what I said to people was because um, I met like a hundred people.
0: So can you just say? Set...
4: Uh, so yeah, I've just been making a film inside a rehab and for, for BBC, and um, I was there for a number of months, and I met about a hundred people, and when I was casting and everything, and people who I decided to follow. I always said to them, if there's something you don't want to be aired, there's something you don't want to talk about, that's fine. Just tell me what that is. And yeah. it's, no one has to know that.
6: Yeah.
4: And sometimes, you know, something would happen and a day later, actually, I, that, that thing that happened, I don't want that to be on telly. Yeah. And it's fine. Six months down the line, it's a different conversation. Mm. Yeah. But um, you've always got to have a transparent and open relationship. Mm. Um, Excellent one
0: there.
6: Hi. Um, My question is to Philip. Um, I was wondering how you got your student film to the BBC. Um, What was the process and do you have any advice for people that might have access um, to a story or have made a short film, what they can do with it? Because it's quite scary and confusing if you don't know.
4: Yeah, sure. Um, So how did I get it to the BBC? Um,
6: Yeah, like how how did you take your 20-minute film to the commission and get it commissioned and all that?
4: Yeah, sure. Um, I I sent it to uh, another filmmaker who had done a film of a similar subject a number of years back, and she was extremely helpful for me. And she basically held my hand and uh, walked me through the process. Who was that? Uh, Jane. <laughs> so Send easy. everyone there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I was I was very fortunate. But I I wrote to her specifically because I was. Some people would advise you just to write to everyone, every production company, every filmmaker. You know, there's hundreds, and you, it's just not going to work. I was just very specific about who I wrote to and why I wrote to them, and what I wanted from that. I think
0: that's very smart, actually. Mm. It's very flattering if you yeah. someone's mm. really reaching out to you mm. specifically. Emma, some I... of BBC. How would a young filmmaker get there? Well, just to
3: add, to add to that, so I mean, lots of broadcasters do this, but uh, we're running a new director scheme. Which is specifically for people who haven't had, haven't got any sort of directing experience in broadcast, um, which will open again in summer. You're very welcome to apply. And you apply with an idea for a film, but that doesn't have to be the film that you go on to make. Um, You can can make another film. And you get put with a very good production company like these guys, and you get mentored all the way through the process. Um, And throughout the process, there's lots of masterclasses from brilliant people like Peter Dale, who take you through it and help you. So I would advise you to apply uh, for that scheme.
6: Thank you, and do you like, does it matter if you're really junior and you just shoot kind of on your own and you haven't, do you no. know what I mean?
3: It, it's about talent. I mean, we're just looking for really talented people and we're looking for different voices. Um, so if you, you know, hopefully we we know enough to be able to spot the talent. So no, it doesn't matter. And with thank my you. development hat
2: on, with my other hat on, um, from our point of view, we're always looking for stories to tell. And I think Emma's point, if you write to us, say, that was when I was at RDF, and say why you're writing to us, because maybe there's something you've seen that you think, you know, just to research it a bit, um, people are hungry for stories out there. And if you've got access to a story and a way of telling it or experience because it's your story, that
0: that gets listened to. And I think it is, that's the charm. I for front development teams before, and it's getting something that feels like it's been written to everyone, dear madam, you mm-hmm. know, type, or and you think they haven't bothered to see what the sort of programs you make and your backstory, you're less likely to read it with interest. And it's quite easy to flatter someone, you just say, I loved educating Essex. Yeah. Suddenly, David's going, Does S- S- it
1: every time? Yeah. Very bright. <laughs> you're
0: reading on. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, one more question, and then I think we have to wrap up. Thanks. Uh, sorry, this girl here in the orange.
6: Hi, it's just a quick one further on from relationships
3: with um, contributors. Um, do you think it's really important to kind of manage a relationship in terms of having a, having a distance or a professional set of boundaries? I mean, specifically with you, Philip, um, because you had that connection already with, with mm-hmm. your contributor, which sounds really like yeah, a horrible
2: yeah. word to use.
3: Um,
6: just because the stories that a novice like myself would, would make would normally be people that you know, and I think it's hard to kind of manage that because you're already close to them and you
3: already have a relationship. And how, how, how do you tackle that?
4: I think it's just different. It depends what the story is and who the characters are. If you're really close to them, but it's a great story, it's, that's, that's fine. It's OK. It's, it's all, it's, it really depends on... But it might be, it e- might the be easier
1: is. for you to do it with someone that you don't know because you can be more disciplined and it might be a sort of gentler approach... You know, because it's you can have a bit of perspective um, and sort of analyse it as well.
3: There's always a difficult. Yeah, there's always a very difficult moment when you go into an edit. Even if you didn't know your contributors at the outset, there's a, a level of intimacy you have to get to quite quickly when you're filming. Which means that by the time you get into the edit, you do know them very well and you normally care about them deeply and you feel a huge responsibility to show their story properly. But you, at that moment, and that's why you need a good editor sat next to you, is you have to. Slightly detached because you have to be able to see the the story in terms of um, the grammar of storytelling, and and that takes detachment, and that's when you you lean on your editor mm. a lot, don't mm. you? Mm. Um, who tells you, hang on, you know that that does, it's just it, then it becomes a, a relationship between you and your editor. I, I think making films is all about different relationships. It's the relationship to your contributors, your relationship with your editor. You know, it's all it's it's all those relationships you have to sort of there rely are checks on. checks
0: and balances, aren't there, though, because you
3: have Just
1: your don't ed- sleep with them. Yeah, what? <laughs> Don't sleep with them. Well, your <laughs> contributor or your editor. Either. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to sleep with the editors.
0: <laughs> 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 Although you might be there very late at night. Yeah. My friend married her editor. <laughs> very happy.
1: Uh-huh. Ooh, they're grumpy. <laughs> Who wants to be an editor? <laughs>
0: <laughs> OK, well, I think, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for. I'd like to say a huge thank you to... <clears throat> Theresa Watkins... David Clues, Emma Loke and Philip Wood. Thank you very much.